Hello and welcome to the Gaggle podcast, It Takes a Village. I am Jody Lott and I've invited a very special guest to talk with me today. She is a talented musician and a junior in college majoring in music with a concentration in instrumental performance. My guest today is also transgender. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. The reason I'm excited to sit down with you today um, is to be an advocate for and to lift voices of the queer community. If we look at some of the statistics from last year's Trevor Project survey, the data is damning. 75% of LGBTQ youth reported that they had experienced discrimination based on their sexual orientation or gender identity at least once in their lifetime. 70% of LGBTQ youth rated their mental health as poor most of the time or always during COVID. And 42% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the last year, including more than half of transgender and non-binary youth. These are incredibly heartbreaking statistics. And the LGBTQ plus community is particularly vulnerable to stigma, bullying, and judgment, and often misunderstood. And my hope is that our conversation today might just bring comfort to someone somewhere in our audience. Um, so with that, let's, let's jump right in. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I think, you know, to just start the conversation off, can you talk a little bit about what it means to you? to be transgender? Well, to me, and I'll just preface everything I say as I speak from um, someone who has lived the experience and I don't claim to be, uh, um, I don't claim to be someone who knows everything. I'm also learning as well. And I think that's something that we should all keep in mind is that just because someone is in the community doesn't mean that they'll, they'll explain to you um, in perfect detail what it means or can give you definitions of everything. So I'll just say that. But to me, what it means to be transgender and in my circumstance, it means that I was born as one gender and I feel inside that I am another. Um, and I think that's common across many people who identify as a trans individual. Thank you. Thanks for that. You actually, you began your social transition during your high school years. Is, is that right? Yes. And I think many, many sort of come into their own in the years of high school. I think everyone kind of comes into their own in the years of high mm. school, especially trans individuals. Um, you know, high school can be a really complex time for any teenager. You know, you make a great point. You know, we all sort of come into our own during those formative years. And what, what, what was that like for you? Um, it was, I won't um, sort of underestimate how difficult it was, but I feel like I feel very blessed to, to live in such a liberal part of the United States. And so it was a lot of many of my friends and teachers were very understanding and very accepting, although I didn't I didn't really go around telling people I, I think everyone knew that something was up in the way that I dressed sort of presented myself in high school. And, and so how did you approach the process then of sort of, um, you know, formalizing a transition? 
Mm -hmm. I kind of used, um, I used college and that sort of like fresh experience as the opportunity to sort of change my name and do all those um, more difficult processes of transitioning. So I think that going into college was a really good opportunity for me to have a fresh start and be and identify as a woman and make meet people because it's it's always easier if you meet someone in your new gender identity than when you've known someone for a long time it's more difficult for them to kind of make that transition with you yeah yeah you talked a little bit about your the community right and being in a in a liberal sort of region of the country um can you talk a little bit more about your sort of experience did you have you have you always felt you know physically and emotionally safe or um you know how is how is the, that support sort of comforted you or enveloped you mm -hmm. i'll say that i've i i feel really really lucky and blessed to have had such a good experience in school i know that many other um lgbtq plus individuals have have awful times in schools with teachers with administration it, it it's really difficult in some school systems to make a transition that big so i'll just say i, I feel very lucky to be in a in a place that all of my teachers were very very kind didn't really bring up like the way i dressed or things like that um so i felt very very safe in school and in my community so we know that when children and teens don't have a sense of belonging, things can go very wrong and mm -hmm. they can become easy targets, right? And so it's important uh, to reach out and connect with your own network and trusted adults and circle of support. And so it sounds like, you know, the, the school system really made it easy for you to do that. Um, were there specific people or processes that were sort of opening the door for you to to feel that level of comfort? I'll say that um, I think the internet, although it's it's most of the time not the best place to gather that kind of support, I think I found a lot of, of individuals either on YouTube, no one that I can really think to mention by name, but that's where I kind of went to um, at least at a young age to kind of affirm that what I wanted to do was possible and that people did do it and were doing it and were living kind of my dream, let's yeah. say. <laughs> um, and kind of gave you, it paved the way for you a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how, how did you, I mean, the dangerous, the dangerous thing about the internet is that, you know, teens and, and young adults, they have access to the same tools that adults do. And so how did you kind of navigate that, right? How did you figure out, well, this is a safe person to sort of uh, air quotes here, follow versus this person might be leading me down a path that isn't so healthy? I, I can't say that I know. Um, and that's, that's the really scary thing is having access to so much information at a young age that you can't exactly sort through can be a little scary and daunting, but I went to YouTube so I could see these people and how they interacted and 
I think I just I chose to trust them um, and that what they were saying was accurate to their experience. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, have you yourself ever felt like you've been the subject of bullying or felt discriminated against because of your identity? Um, not to not to an extreme extent, but yes, I, I can say that, um, especially in like middle school, elementary school, there was definitely light bullying, maybe not because, you know, in, in middle school and elementary school, I was not a trans individual at that time or openly or starting to transition. So there was always something. I, I wasn't ever like a a straight kid. I never I never tried to do that. Yeah. Um. I never tr tried to really hide, which I you know which was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it definitely let left a lot of areas for confusion with other people. You know that that's a really great point, and and I I commend you, and I commend the people around you for supporting you at such a young age and sort of understanding you as a human being, right, and not trying to force you into a sort of compliance of what makes the adults comfortable, and so to you know to to those adults who might be feeling uncomfortable with somebody, uh, an individual who is, you know, following their heart, what what would you say to them? I think I would say, um, well, especially in like a parental and child situation, mm. I think I would say there's a certain level of trust and understanding you, you need to have. If your child is coming to you, I, I can remember um, going to my, my mother and explaining to her that I was trans and like, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and this was long before I decided to transition. This was end of high school, beginning of college. And this was when I was in middle school, so probably 11 or 12. I remember going in and saying like, this is what I wanted to do. And it was a level of, of trust and understanding that I had with my parents that really made me feel comfortable doing that in in at home in front of them. Hmm. That's that's an that's an incredible relationship that you know that you have in your family. Mm -hmm. Um and was there a level of fear within your family about how your community would respond? Oh, absolutely. I know that my my parents were really worried about me in the community or at I know my mom worries about me to this day at college because I live um, behind all the athletic complexes. She was like, don't walk around at night. You're going to get attacked. She's just worried to the core about me all the time. Do you feel uh, that same sense of, of concern? I don't so much because um, I, feel, I feel very safe at college and school. Um, mm -hmm. I feel very lucky about that. And especially with um, the universe that, that I go to there, the way that they deal with harassment and violence towards LGBT um, students is very, very strict, and they're they're very aware of what happens, and they're trying very hard to eliminate it. And yeah. I appreciate that from them. That's 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 excellent to hear. 
are there are there microaggressions that we can lift into people's awareness that may otherwise go unnoticed that would help people feel feel safer if if there weren't sort of these little like I said microaggressions happening um well microaggressions come in in very different forms I think that one that um is the most triggering for me is when someone messes up my pronouns I know it it makes me feel really bad um as I'm sure it does for many people who've come to associate pronoun use with their gender identity so I I think before like even like before asking someone their pronouns if you say if you introduce yourself with your pronouns I I think that that's a really good habit to get into yeah I can I can see how that would really sort of, you know, especially when you're meeting someone that can really let them know that you're an ally, right? And mm-hmm. that, that, yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. Um, so how, how do you su- seek out support now? You know, now you're, you're really well in, you know, in, you know, you're living your life as, as the, as the woman that you feel have always felt inside of you. And so, you know, what kinds of supports do you look toward now? Um, I definitely rely the most on the support of my friends, mm-hmm. um, my friends and family. And that's, I feel so lucky to have that support because I know that many can feel so alone um, when they're going through the process of transitioning or coming out as a queer individual. So I really, I really rely heavily on my friends for the emotional support um, that I so need. Mm, we all do, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> let's let's not forget that we're also in the middle of a of a pandemic too. So oh, yeah. I think you hit things right on the head there. Um, so we talked a little bit about what you might say to a parent. What would you say to a young person who may be questioning their gender gender identity or sexual preferences? Um. I would say that it really truly matters what what they want. It's always so difficult when you think about how you're going to be perceived by friends, family, the community when you're questioning your identity and I feel like that's the big leap to have when when you're deciding to come out or questioning your identity or sexual orientation or anything like that. I think it you have to look within and and ask what matters most to me what do i want with my life i think that that sense of introspection of what what do i want i think that's the most important thing Hmm. you know and i know you personally and i just adore you um there is so much more to you than your pronouns um you are an incredibly gifted musician um, I've been lucky enough to experience your love for cooking and entertaining for sand. Um, and can we just talk about your gardens for a second? Uh, they deserve to be on the cover of magazines. Um, your knitting skills are out of this world. Uh, I wish our audience could see the sweaters that you made for your family during COVID and, and the sampler blanket. Um, wow. Actually, when you were in your early teens, you used to volunteer to teach knitting at a senior center. Is is that, am I remembering that right? 
you're remembering it right just it was a little different i spent a lot of time at the library when i was younger and there used they did a lot of like programs and one of those programs was teaching knitting to seniors so i taught some seniors how to knit which was pretty fun that's incredible uh, you know um, so to, is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience about your, your personality, about yourself, you know, that not to put you on the spot? Well, I do have a passion for music. I play flute and I'm going to college for it at the moment. Um, and it is one of my favorite things to do. And I love playing music. I love playing in orchestra and band, and it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. I remember during during COVID when you were were practicing college, uh, you're, you're practicing for your classes in college at home. Um, one of the greatest things was to be able to take my dogs for a walk and hear you playing your flute through the windows or through, you know, through the neighborhood. And it was it was such a beautiful thing. So, so um you know, that's, that's something that we certainly miss with you being back on campus. But I think, you know, it's, it's incredibly important for people to hear and see members of the LGBTQ plus community for their humanity first. And so with that said, I'd like to ask you five rapid fire questions to get people to get to know you better. Would that be okay with you? Of course. Okay. Uh, number one, what is your favorite movie? Oh, um, oh God. Let me think. Oh, there's so many to choose from. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just going to say the first Harry Potter. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite time of day? Oh, night. Okay. Number three, what are you currently reading? Oh gosh. Um, where is it? Um, all my books are at school. Oh no. Um, I'm currently reading. It's a, um, oh, I can't think of it. That's okay. That's I'm okay. So textbooks, mostly, probably mostly textbooks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number four, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Mm, I would live in uh, Vienna. And last, number five, last but not least, who is your hero and why? Oh my goodness. Um, oh, this is tough. My hero is Jean Backstresser. She was the principal flute of the New York Philharmonic for many, many years. Um, and I think it's so powerful to see a woman in one of the top orchestral positions playing flute in the whole world it's so empowering to see that kind of representation because some of the best flutists are women and those highest positions aren't normally held by women that's great that that's awesome and this has been such a rich and powerful conversation Thank you for being vulnerable and for sharing your story and experience with me and the Gaggle community. 
Um, good luck in your next semester. I know that school has deferred the in-person learning for a couple of weeks here. So maybe we will get to hear your, your flute uh, through the windows uh, in the next couple of weeks, but I certainly um, hope that you get back to campus uh, soon. I know that everybody is, is looking forward to that. For those listening today, thank you for spending part of your day with us and be well. Thank you.